For those who may be visiting, we're just in the middle of a series. It's a second teaching in a series I simply call What in the World is Happening? And I recognize this morning I'm going to be dealing with probably some heavier things, and it's one of those topics that there's just so much to cover, you'll never get it done. So there'll be people who will probably say, Pastor, you didn't say enough. And, and I know there's going to be people who will say, you said too much. That's going to happen, but I don't do it to be controversial. I don't do it for a moment just to uh, get applause or to stir up anybody. And in fact, I want to begin by saying this morning that <clears throat> I know who I am. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a virologist. I'm not a chemist. I'm not a climatologist. I'm not an economist. I'm not an environmentalist, all that kind of stuff. What I am is a pastor. And I've called to be a watchman on the wall. I've called to be a voice to the people of God in these days in which we live. I've been called to understand, just like you are, called to discern the times in which we live. And I believe part of the calling as a pastor is to prepare God's people for what is and what is coming because He wants to be a people who don't falter in our faith, we don't falter in our mission, but we fulfill what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We understand what it means to be salt and light. We understand what it means to be people of truth. And we also understand, which I hope we'll understand more in the days ahead, that sometimes a stand will cost you. Sometimes speaking the truth will make you unpopular. Sometimes you will have to raise up your head, even though it may get lopped off. But you're willing to allow the Lord to do that, that the truth is spoken, that the darkness is pierced, and that people know that there is a truth, there are options, and uh, are aware of maybe what is really going on. I know some of you are nervous already. It's okay, I've been through this once already, so <clears throat> I'm good to go. You know, there's a lot of misunderstanding in the Western church in particular when it comes to the last days in which we live and the events that are taking place and how these events that we are experiencing today and that are unfolding, how exactly they relate to that final seven years uh, in human history that uh, the prophetic scriptures and Daniel and the Gospels and Revelation speak about. We'll unpack that more next week. Uh, I trust it will be encouraging for you. But I, I just want to say this morning that suffice to say that we are not in the tribulation. We are not in that final seven years right now. In fact, biblically, the term tribulation or great tribulation is not even the right word to describe that final seven-year period of human history that the Bible actually refers to as Daniel's 70th week. But I believe more importantly, we are in a season in which Jesus is trying to prepare his church for what is coming. There are many people in our congregation who have fled nations where there was war, where there are ideologies that we can't imagine in Canada. We've not seen them. We've not witnessed those things on our shore. We are seeing the rumblings, but we have many in our congregation who fled their countries to come to Canada only to find that that same spirit is at work in our nation. Those same ideologies, and I'm sure many of them are, are amazed by little that is being done oftentimes. But I believe we're in a season that the Lord is trying to prepare us. You see, we have brothers and sisters around the world. We have brothers and sisters in persecuted nations like Iran and Afghanistan and China and Cuba and other nations that I believe are already battle-tested. They're already engaged in the war. They're already about the Father's business in the kingdom and oftentimes at great cost. But in the Western church, by and large, we've been asleep. Now, we understand that God's desire for every nation is that nations prosper, that they know His love, that they're provided for. I mean, that's God's heart. He doesn't want any to suffer, any to go without. The problem is when we have only the remnants of what used to be a godly nation, but we as a nation collectively have told God to get out of our nation, then it's not that God is punishing us, but what happens is when we push God's hand away from us, we don't remain neutral. When we push away His grace and protection, the hordes of hell sweep in, and they take that place. And they begin to manifest themselves through various things that we are seeing today. They're happening gradually, in fact, so gradually that, that we tend not even to address them. But as I said last week, the reality is change comes slowly and then suddenly. And you wake up one day and you wonder why you're living in a different nation than what we've lived in, and you realize that you've slept through it all. And so the church has been asleep. We've been asleep because we've been seduced, I believe, by a spirit of pleasure and entertainment. We've been seduced by a spirit of ease and of apathy and unbelief. But the good news is, is that many believers have been responding to the call of the Lord, His word to the church, which I think is much like the church in Sardis, where the Lord called them to wake up and to strengthen what remains 
until it's completely gone. Jesus has a people, I believe, who say, like David in Psalm 18, that he trains my hands for battle, that my arms may bend a bronze bow. The, the, the light of God is shining on the hearts of his people, and it's so good to see so many are coming awake and alive in their personal relationship with the Lord and beginning to address those things that he wants to do in our lives. Now, I believe, and I'll explain a bit more next week, but I believe there are many things that still must happen before Jesus returns. But that is not an excuse for slackness. You're a fool if you sit back and think you have lots of time. I believe we're in a season that calls for soberness because Jesus is training his church for what is coming upon the world and what will come upon our nation, I believe. It, it's amazing, actually, if we just took a moment to really think about what is happening even today, what is happening in Europe, what is happening against globally, it's so easy for us to kind of sleep through those things because our present world hasn't been shaken yet. Yes, we've seen prices go up and gas and food and all those kind of stuff, but we can kind of manage that. But we're oblivious oftentimes to what really is going to come. Now, the Lord is not training us just to survive. I believe he is training us to be able to stand in the days that are coming, to be his church, to be his people, and to actually lead people who don't know him, people who are fearful, people who are, are hopeless, people who are broken, to actually pick up the pieces of what the works of darkness will do as people give place to them in their lives. In fact, even if things settle down for a season, I don't believe we can ever return just to life as normal. Certainly as the body of Christ, we can't return to church as normal in the days we are living in. Jesus said in John chapter 9, all of us must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent me, for there is little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. I believe with all my heart this is a time to know Jesus Christ like you've never known him before. This is the time to be filled with the Holy Spirit if you've not been filled before. This is the time to begin to pick up and dust off and put on the full armor of God and get used to understanding how we are to walk, how we are to use the weapons that we have been given because we are being trained for battle because there's little time before the night falls. Now, we've been saying this for 50 years that we're in the last days. We're in the last of the last days. I came into the Pentecostal church in the 70s where every Sunday night seemed to be about last days and you had special speakers and all that kind of stuff. And you know, it's easy as Scripture warns for us to think, well, where's the Lord's coming? We've heard about it. Our fathers talked about it. Where is he coming? I haven't seen him. But you know, if you just use basic logic, the fact that 50 years had passed, it means his return's a lot closer now than it was 50 years ago. Now, that might sound kind of simplistic, but there is in the Western church, again, a sense of, well, I don't know, is the Lord really coming? I mean, we've heard about this for so much, and what do we do? We tend to kind of go back to sleep, and we don't understand that beneath the surface, you see, we can sleep all we want, but the enemy doesn't stop working. He continues to move. He continues to push as far as he can because he wants to catch the church by surprise, I believe, because we're the primary adversary. Now, this may be a bit of a simplification, uh, simplification or oversimplification, but uh, just for this morning's purposes, I just jotted down what I believe are four essential, basically four levels of power that are at work in our world today. Now, when the Bible talks about the world, what it's describing essentially is this. It's talking about a system of governance in the spirit realm that is headed by Satan, that opposes everything of God, that hates every human being, and especially hates the followers of Jesus Christ. That's what the world is that the Scripture talks about. It's not people. It's the system that is unseen. And so the first level of power, I believe, is simply as we shared last week, it's Satan and demonic beings in the spirit world. Ephesians chapter 6, we read, we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world. That's why Paul said, the weapons God has given us are not man-made weapons, but they are mighty weapons by the power of God for pulling down every stronghold the adversary seeks to establish. Whether it's in your community, in your nation, in your neighbor's life, he has given you the ability to identify where the enemy is at work to oppose the enemy, and you have weapons to overthrow him. 
You are not without options, but only you and I can decide whether or not we'll pick up our weapons or whether or not because we remain relatively unaffected, we'll just roll over and go back to sleep or be comfortable. And so that's the first level, Satan and demonic beings. The second level, and I'm sure there's others uh, connected to this, but I would simply call them global leaders who are faceless, unelected, and permanent power brokers that I believe really do call the shots in our world today. They, they, they train people. They put people into governments around the world to infiltrate governments in order to influence decisions, make policy, and we're seeing today manipulate the global economy for their own purposes. In fact, many of these people are so wealthy. We hear about Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates. They're paupers by comparison. Their money is, is pocket change by comparison of those who I believe actually, at least as best they can, if they find leaders who will comply, who promote their agenda in nations around the world. And that leads to the third level of power, I believe, which is simply federal leaders. That's our presidents and prime ministers, those that we've elected to lead our nation. But many of them, as we see today, are actually just propagandists for this global agenda. They have bought into it. I don't mean to sound disrespectful in saying this, but there was a term that Vladimir Lenin and Joseph Stalin used in his day to describe such people. He called them useful idiots. And what he meant by that, he's talking about people who buy into their ideology, but they don't have an understanding of the true goal. And we see that today. We see well-meaning people. In fact, we even see Christians who kind of repost and hashtag with all these social issues. They don't understand the spirit behind these things. They don't understand how the enemy is using these things to divide people, to destroy Western democracy, how they're using these things, not to solve any problems. The problems don't get solved, just some people make a whole lot of money. They don't get solved. People mean well, but again, we can be those useful idiots as well if we don't discern what is the spirit behind these issues. The fourth level of power I would just call our provincial and civic leaders. And I believe they do the best they can, but really in the larger scale of things, uh, larger scheme, they don't have a lot of power to resist a lot of these global initiatives and, and narratives. Now, there are a whole lot of people that, that we don't see and a whole lot of people that are pulling strings behind the scenes, but, but one of them that you may have uh, come across or heard of, in fact, I've got a couple of his books. Uh, his name is Klaus Schwab, and he's the founder of the World Economic Forum. Uh, for decades, what he's been doing is bringing together the world's richest and most powerful people to usher in a new world order. And uh, he's actually written a book called The Fourth Industrial Revolution. And he says that the way this fourth industrial revolution is going to be ushered in is to be built upon the third industrial revolution that involves certain digital technologies. But what is insidious about this fourth industrial revolution is that these technologies this, will, will actually lock people behind what is called a digital paywall. That's what's being pushed today, is to lock everybody into a digital system. Why? So that you will have to seek permission in order to interact in your society in order to see people, in order to gather together, in order to purchase something. Now, I know for some folks this sounds kind of fantastic. It might even sound like too Orwellian to believe. But you know what? As the people of God, as people of truth, who, as people who should read the Word of God, this has already been spelled out. This has already been prophesied 2,000 years ago. And here's what the Word of God says in Revelation 13. Speaking of this world leader, John writes, He required everyone great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to be tattooed with a certain mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could, get this, get a job, sound familiar? Or even buy in any store without a permit of that mark, which was, not, which was either the name of the creature or the code number of his name. And John goes on to explain what that is. You see, I believe with all my heart that the real goal of all that's been happening today, whether it's the global pandemic, whether it's climate change now, which is a new global religion, whether it's social justice, whether it's transing our children, whether it's inflation, the economy, shutting down farmers around the world, whatever it may be, the goal behind all of this is to destroy Western culture, is to destroy sovereign Judeo-Christian nations who stand in the way of what's been described as a techno-fascistic culture where we actually forget what it means to be free. For this to be achieved, of course, uh, Klaus Schwab goes on to say this. 
He says there must first be, quote, a series of social, political, cultural, and economic upheavals. What he means is that the old world system that we're used to has to be, if I can use the phrase, flattened <laughs> in order to ensure this new world system which ensures their dominance. Now, I don't believe all these people are bad. I believe some are. But many of them honestly believe this is what the world needs. They look at the many needs around the world and they think, you know, we have the answer, but all they have is these ideologies. The question is, where are these ideologies coming from? Because you see, even those who seek to dominate the world population in order to propagate their ideology, they don't realize the day is coming when they themselves will be dominated by one even greater. And I'm talking about the Antichrist, the world leader. They don't realize that many of them are useful idiots for the powers of darkness. I don't say that, you know, slanderously, just to use that term. They don't realize they too are being manipulated by a power they don't understand. And we have to keep that perspective when we talk about those things. Now, you may wonder how this group of uh, global leaders of unelected people, how in the world they can manipulate or have so much power in our world. Well, here's a little clip, and I apologize uh, Quality's not the best, but um, hopefully you can make out the, uh, the conversation. But uh, here's a clip once again of Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum. And he's basically describing how they influence world leaders. What's, what's interesting, he actually describes how they influence Canada. So just listen, it's just a minute long. I don't know if you caught that, but he basically said that half of Canada's young leadership in Trudeau's cabinet is actually part of the World Economic Forum. In fact, you may or may not be aware, but our own Deputy Prime Minister, who coincidentally happens to be as well the Minister of Finance in our nation, Christia Freeland, she's actually a member of the Board of Trustees on the World Economic Forum. If you go on their website, her name is listed there and her responsibilities. The question is, how do we think that might influence the policies of our nation? If that is the case, and it is, how do we feel that when it comes to federal events or things we've gone through, that maybe the directives are not influenced necessarily by the own sovereignty and the good for our nation, but according to an agenda that is beyond our nation? Take, for example, COVID-19, the pandemic. I believe with all my heart on a local level, that what it did is it revealed in our nation and in our provinces just how wholly inadequate our socialized medical health care system is. And I don't take that out in our premier. I believe he did the best that he can. I think he makes a lot of hard and, and wise decisions. But, but our, our workers were burned out. They were exhausted. Our system was overwhelmed. We understand that. And that's why we support and we pray for and do the best we can to cooperate in those kind of events when they take place. But on the global level, I believe with all my heart, the end goal was not to help people. The end goal was not to shut down a pandemic. The end goal was to ensure that our pre-March 2020 world disappears forever. That's the purpose. You may remember that world <laughs> where you could enjoy personal privacy. You could gather together and worship. You could be in homes. You could bury your loved ones. You remember all those things. You could have human touch. There was somewhat of a free press. We've seen that's gone out the window today. You had the right to decide back then what you did to your body. You had control over your body, control over your family, control over your, over your property. You see, those are just basic human rights. But the problem with those basic human rights that we sometimes take for granted is they serve as obstacles to the global agenda. 
And so they have to be destroyed. In fact, Close goes on to say, he said, many of us are pondering when things will return to normal. The short response is, never. The world as we know it in the early months of 2020 is no more. You see, the reality is if we look at our history, we as a human race, we have survived much graver medical crises in the past without resorting to what we did during the lockdowns. But there's a difference this time. The difference is that the purpose is to remake the world, especially to affect free and sovereign Western nations who are the greatest barrier to globalization. And again, this should not sound radical. This shouldn't sound strange. We are people of the world. We know what is coming, don't we? The only thing is, we just don't know how long it's going to be. The only thing is, we are presently living in a time where we as the people of God, people of truth, people of discernment, people of love, we are people who are living in a time that we may be able to make a difference, that it may not just be inevitable. We don't know. You see, the reality is, I think in the Western culture, one of the mistakes we've made as the body of Christ is that we assume life is going to continue on as normal, might get a little difficult, but then Jesus is coming. In fact, I've heard Christians say, or Christian ministries, well, you know what? The worst things get, praise the Lord, because he's coming soon. Number one, Scripture doesn't say that. But number two, if the Lord isn't coming, let's say, for another 20 years, we could be living in a communist, socialist nation for 20 years. There's no guarantee that things continue as normal until Jesus comes, right? We can be living like many of our brothers and sisters around the world, but yet we have time to actually do something, I believe, while it's still day. Now, one of the champions for this ideology, of course, is our own Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. And let me just say this, and I say this with all sincerity. I love my Prime Minister. When he was elected several years ago, you remember me sharing, I don't like his policies, I don't like where he's coming from, I don't like who controls him, but I love him as my leader and I pray for him. And oftentimes when I see him on the news, my heart breaks for him. Because I understand he's not just the prime minister. He's a human being. He's a human being who I have no doubt who loves his wife. He loves his children. He's probably an amazing father. I don't know. I'm assuming that he is. But I also know that he's the father of a former prime minister, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. A brilliant man. No, he was. Pierre Trudeau was a very intelligent, well-read man. He was, you know, had a lot of socialist tendencies and so on, but a brilliant man. And so here we have a prime minister living in that shadow. A prime minister who doesn't have quite the same makeup, but is elected primarily good looks, good name, right? And you're in this awesome position where it must be so easy to be overwhelmed and feel so inadequate. And so what do you have as a human being? You have this inner battle where I want to feel significant. I want to make my mark. I want to maybe even make dad proud. And along comes a global agency. And this says, hey, why don't you join us? This is a great cause and you can do great things. Whatever the rationale may be. But I see an individual, I believe, who sincerely wants to make a difference in the world, but who's been deceived. That's what I see. So I can honestly say, and we need to understand, we can speak on and speak against issues, but we can do it without any malice in our heart. Because we understand that the primary level behind all of this, that our fight is not against human beings, our fight is against demonic powers that deceive and enslave and work their darkness through anyone they can deceive. They can work through us if we let them. So I want you to know that's my heart toward my prime minister. But the reality is, I believe, according to his policies, he's doing the best he can to remake our nation so that we're no longer a sovereign nation, but we're ruled by international dictates and we rely on international supply chains. And I believe if things go according to the, as planned, we're going to see a, a dramatic change in food supply next year. Now, this group of elites can make all these plans and changes. And I believe many are sincere in their ideologies, but the reason they can push these ideologies is because they don't have to pay the consequences when they fail. And so that's why you can have this agenda of, you know, climate change and, and, and how important that is, and yet the very same people are buying up all the oceanfront property. Or COVID is so dangerous 
but you can still, they can still travel and they can still jump on the planes and they can still go on vacation. Or recently, you may recall, when there was a shooting in Texas, it became a, a catalyst for gun control in Canada, the little that we have already. And at the same time, you can hire your security teams. But the citizenship can't protect itself. So all those things are taking place. I think it also explains, I know this is a sensitive topic, but, but it explains our prime minister's irrational response to the peaceful protesters in Ottawa who were maligned as a small fringe minority of people who hold unacceptable views. And basically that ruthless response to them, I believe, was a shot over the bow to say to anyone, if you oppose me, you will regret it. You will be persecuted. And we've seen that. In fact, he's pushed for $2 million in funding to combat online terrorists and even alluded to the elimination of those who disagree with them. He said in his speech that he says, do we tolerate these people? I wonder what he's referring to. <laughs> I wonder who those people are. I kind of feel like I'm probably one of those people. Probably most of us are one of those people because I don't agree with a lot of his policies. It doesn't make me a bad person. But not only were our charters of rights and freedoms trampled on, if you're aware of what's going on in our nation today, there's a new euthanasia law that really echoes Nazi, the Nazi era. You can look into it. There's an adamant defense of full-term and partial birth abortion. There's a praising of violent protesters in the United States who destroyed billions in property, injured thousands of police officers, killed dozens of people, and yet a terrorize in the peaceful protesters in Canada. You may not be aware of this, but there's also a ban on what is called Conversion therapy, according to Bill C-4. What that means is that if you are struggling with sexual identity, gender dysphoria, whatever it may be, we cannot help you with that. We cannot change your mind. Even if you come and say, I'm looking for clarity. I'm, what I'm struggling with, what do I do? That's called conversion therapy to help somebody. That's been banned. But what has been pushed is gender affirmation, which essentially means this, that if you're on the ledge... I can't talk you off the ledge, but I can tell you to jump. That's what it means. Why? Because the enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And we need to identify that. Again, friends, I say all of this without any malice in my heart toward a person. People come and go. That's not the enemy. The enemy are demonic spirits behind these powers that are manifesting themselves in policies that by and large are not even challenged by our media that's bought and paid for. Why? Because the end goal is to destroy. It's to destroy any vestige of Judeo-Christian culture or values. It's to destroy human lives. Someone wisely said that we live in serious times, but we're led by completely unserious people. Our enemies are not. That is, they are not unserious, and they know this. And when Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum popularized the, phrase, popularized the phrase, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, they weren't only talking about the fact that you one day will not own your house or your car or your bank account. But what they ideally are after is that neither will you own your thoughts, your ideas, your opinions. And hear me, friends, I'm dead serious about this. You will not own your children. You will not own your children. You see, one of the diabolical things that have happened these last four or five years is that we've had this saturation in our culture of words like Nazism, you're a Nazi, or, or fascism, you're a fascist. Marxism, communism, all of these isms have one thing in common. They are merely a manifestation of the demonic powers of darkness, of this world spirit. That's all they are. That's all they are. But you see, all those words get thrown around and applied to the wrong people. So when they actually begin to manifest themselves in policies, we become desensitized to those words. And they don't mean anything anymore. And so we don't do anything and the enemy has his way. Well, this is where last service, I just took a breath. I hope you hear my heart this morning. I'm not interested in issues.
I really am not interested in, you know, whatever, stirring the pot. But I think of a contractor I shared a couple weeks ago, I think, standing in my driveway for two hours, having a conversation, doesn't know the Lord. Life's been impacted by all that's gone on. When he found out as a pastor, he simply asked, Pastor, where's the church? Where's the church? And he wasn't hateful or critical. He said, we need you to speak up. We're losing our jobs. We're losing our livelihoods. We're, you know, we're losing our rights. And again, please understand me. I'm not talking about a political movement. And in fact, there's nothing wrong with being political. I don't mean in the sense that you stand there and say who you vote for, but we can stand and say, listen, it's not about people, it's about policies, it's principalities and powers. We have to be able to discern what is right and wrong. I've not voted for the same party all the time. It depends on the person, it depends on the platform. But we have to be discerning when evil rears its head. Well, there's a whole lot more I could say, but as these global leaders, I believe, will continue to plan these endless emergencies to gain more control, we need to remember one thing. They were not elected. We did not vote for our world to be changed and for our country to be changed. In fact, there's a populist uprising that's begun around the world, and you may have seen some videos that have gone viral lately. If you've heard of uh, George Maloney, she's uh, a conservative, newly elected prime minister in Italy, and it just happened, I think, about a week or so ago. But she ran on a platform of pro-life, pro-family, pro-borders, and pro-freedom from lockdowns. This is a, a portion of her speech in 2019 at the World Congress of Families. It's just about a, a minute or so long. Uh, listen to this. The words are on the bottom, so you should be able to read it. She's speaking Italian. I apologize. The, it's not perfectly synced, but you'll get the gist of it. Now, I know it was hard to sit through that, to listen to such a hateful person, but uh, I want you now to observe the immediate response this last week when she was elected in Italy as Prime Minister. Here's a response from Legacy Media.
Get used to it. That is the new fascism. God, country, and family. Why? Because the global powers, the spirit of Antichrist, cannot rule unless people are divided. Unless they don't have common faith. They don't have common values. All those things that we're seeing. It's pretty remarkable. But again, this is the new fascism. It's also proof, and I say this cautiously because you have to pick and choose who you listen to, but it is also proof of the spirit that's behind our media today. By and large, whichever one you want to listen to, I can promise you, if you get media criticizing what has just been spoken, you need to find new media. And the same has happened in our own country, unfortunately. We have a, a national media that's bought by our government, right? It received $150 million before the last election to give our prime minister favorable coverage, and that's what it did. That's not the purpose of the media. We need a free media. We need to find resources where people who are independent and not being paid for, just to hear the truth. The good news is people are getting fed up with the evils of wokeness. And I want to suggest this morning that while there is still a little time before the night falls, we have a responsibility as the people of God. Number one, I believe we need to shake ourselves. We need to shake ourselves out of our complacency. We need to shake ourselves out of our inactivity basically because it hasn't affected us yet. As I said last week, don't forget, change happens gradually and then suddenly. And one day we'll wake up and say, what happened? And what happened was while we slept, the enemy didn't stop working. And we find ourselves in a place we feel powerless. We need to understand the times we're living in and we need to move against every power of darkness that steals, kills, and destroys. Now, I've got to land this plane, so... Before I read you a closing quote, I just want to give you a couple scriptures. And I don't say this, you know, just to kind of make everything nice. With all my heart, I want to understand. We need to understand that our fight is not against people. It is not against our politicians. It's not against our leaders. That's not where our fight is. Jesus said in Luke 6, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. What he's literally saying is this. Those who hate you, those who seek to do you harm, you need to grow in a manner that you have as much love for them as you have for Jesus Christ. You need to bless them. What that means is you need to speak well of them. You don't post the memes. You don't get all the videos and stuff that tear apart our leaders. You go to your knees and you pray for them. That's what we're called to do. Those are the weapons that we have been given. If the king of Babylon can have an encounter with God, there's not a politician in our nation that Jesus cannot reach in the quiet of the night and change their hearts to call out to the Lord. That's where our battle is. And I want to encourage you this morning, saints, we need God's heart for our nation and for our leaders. We need to weep for our leaders. We need to speak well of them, bless them. We need to pray for them because many are deceived by demonic beings and powers that they don't understand. My Lord, many Christians are bound by demonic powers. They don't understand what hope do those who don't know Christ have. But that's where the battle is. Jesus said in Matthew 10, listen, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. So be as clever as snakes and as innocent as doves. I kind of just meditated on the scripture this week, and I may be wrong, but this is what I got from it. It's like the Lord is saying, listen, your enemy is a serpent. Your enemy is a snake. You've got to think like him. That is, you've got to be aware of what he is doing. That's what Paul said. We are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. That's why when we see uprising and we see people divided by race and gender and the protests and the destruction, we say, ah, no, 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 no. I'm not posting that. No, no. I see the spirit behind it. I understand what the purpose is. I understand the destruction and the division. I will have no part of that. But here's what I will do. And the Lord can give us strategies to actually bring healing. The Lord says you have to understand how the serpent thinks. But here's the key. You have to be as innocent as doves. Do not fight this world spirit. 
with the world spirit. If you allow a darkness in you, you will be a slave. Even if you think you're right in your arguments, you're wrong in your spirit, and you're powerless in fighting the real battle. You have to purge your heart of animosity, of hatred, whatever it may be. You need to pray and allow the Lord to give you a love. Fight the world spirit, but fight it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, friends, it's so important we understand Being a Christian doesn't mean you lay down and keep your head low. It means that you oppose evil. You oppose and stand against wrong policies. You have a voice, but there's no malice in your heart. You do it in love, but you still do it in truth. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says, In your anger, do not give the devil a foothold. What's he saying? Listen, be angry. It's okay. You can be angry against what is wrong. What did David pray? (laughs) Here's a man who was more like Jesus than anybody else in the Old Testament. Oh, God, I pray that you would just cut them to pieces, that, you you know, whatever, slice and dice, my enemies. Well, we don't go that far. We pray. We do so with the help of the Holy Spirit. We get angry about things. But in that, we don't allow the devil to take root in our heart. Saints, if we see this season only as a season of trial and tribulation, and even what's coming ahead, we're going to miss what God is doing. I believe with all my heart the season we're in and the difficult days that are ahead, they are a season of testing that God is using to show his people what's really in their hearts. Some of you have come from terrible things in your nation that you fled to be here, and you know what it's like to have a hatred for that evil and yet for the Holy Spirit to say, give me that hatred. Give me that animosity. Let me give you love. Let me turn you into an intercessor. Let me help you make a difference. Let me help you touch lives around you. Let me help you believe for the impossible. I believe we're in a season that the Lord wants to show us where we are weak and vulnerable to the enemy's attacks in our own spirit, in our own life, because he wants to strengthen us so we can actually minister his love and his life and his power in these very dark and difficult days. You see, the day may very well come soon, where you will find yourself standing before someone who claims to have power over you. Maybe they'll take your rights and freedoms. Maybe you'll be imprisoned for your faith. And just like Jesus standing before Pilate, they'll say something to the effect, don't you realize I have power over you? But Jesus wants your heart to be such that with love and kindness you can quietly respond, you have no power over me except what God has given you. Not anger, not lashing back. In fact, I don't have time to go into it, but I read a book when I was a teenager about a a KGB officer in in the Soviet Union back then, and and, uh, he was assigned to to break into home groups and and in the forest where people were meeting to worship Christ. And he said, what I couldn't get over is that every time I would arrest them and report on them, I'd go to their workplace and tell the boss what's going on. They were always the best workers. They were always the most loving people and whatever. And he said, finally, I decided i got to find out what these people have. And he broke into a home, and, 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 but he couldn't get them in time. He wanted to grab someone just to say, what is this you have? And the girl fled, and she took off, and he didn't get a chance to. It wasn't until finally he defected, and he landed in, in Canada. He actually jumped off a ship and swam for miles, almost died, washed up on the beach, and it just so happened the nurse at the hospital was a Christian, and she led him to Christ. But that's what God is looking for in these last days. He's looking for men and women of God who, as you're being stoned like Stephen of old, that your face shines like an angel. And you're able to say, Father, don't hold this against them. They don't understand what they're doing. They don't understand what they're doing. That is the spirit that will win. Well, I have to close with this. And there's a few words that a good friend of mine sent me, uh, an article by Francis Japan. It's entitled, This Day We Fight. And it just really, I felt, just confirmed what, what I felt the Lord had given me to share this morning. And I just want to read this quote to you, and I'm done. He said, I believe in the rapture. I also believe we are in the season of the end. But I cannot excuse myself from facing the giants of today's wars. As our forefathers had to succeed on the battlefield against great and highly trained enemies, so we too must overcome the radical agenda of those who seek to mainstream perversion into our society. Some of us have fought in the physical wars of Iraq and Afghanistan. Others are fighting to see our nation return to Christ. I know some are weary. Yet it is time that we too might be taught war. Regardless of the battle before us, no matter how dark the spiritual atmosphere becomes, we must fight for the purposes of God in the earth. 
And I believe that's God's call for us. We cannot relax our intercession nor surrender our vision for our nation's future. God has a future for our nation. We have not entered the day of irreversible darkness. Will you read this last part with me? Let us put aside our fears, and especially the burden of a passive, prayerless existence. Will you read that again? Let us put aside our fears, and especially the burden of a passive, prayerless existence. Let us take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and let us fight for all we hold dear in our times and culture. Yes, a day may come when the world will fully succumb for a sprinkling of years to the forces of evil, but it is not this day. This day we fight. Amen. I was saying to folks in the first service, as you can all tell, I go to the gym on a regular basis. Actually, Leon was my workout partner for a while, but he couldn't keep up with the weight, so I had to kick him to the curb and find somebody else. Sorry, Leon. But you know, when you go to the gym, one of the things you do, if you go for a long time, is after you've gotten used to kind of doing the regular workout and stuff, you realize there's certain muscles, certain parts of your body that you have to be very deliberate about. Oftentimes, things you don't see, but if you don't develop those, then you're not going to be able to fully appreciate the larger muscle groups. And I really believe in these days in which we are living, God is calling his church to the gym. By the Holy Spirit, he's trying to show us those areas in our lives that are weak. You see, we have a lot of the general stuff. We have our our belief system. We have our Christian lifestyle. We love the Lord. We come to church. We try to be a witness for him. But there's a lot of things in the recesses of our heart that we don't see that only the Word of God can illuminate. Only time soaking in the presence of the Lord by the Holy Spirit can reveal to us. And he says, if you don't let me deal with those things, not only will your growth be stunted, when the time comes and you need strength, you won't have it. You won't have it. You've got to see where the enemy has footholds in your life, where he's established strongholds. You've got to start dealing with attitudes. You've got to deal with secret sin. You've got to start when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, say, yes, Lord, and stop playing around. Because there's only a little time left, and then it'll be nighttime. You see, you can't grow a mighty oak overnight. You can grow bushes, you can grow weeds, they'll sprout up, but they have no strength. It takes time to establish your roots. And I believe that God in His grace, because we are still living in somewhat of the remnants of a Judeo-Christian nation, God in His grace is still giving us time. But He's saying time is running out. And in this time of peace, you have to listen to what I'm saying to you. You've got to get serious. You've got to grow because the time is coming when you're not going to have the chance and you're not going to get strength overnight. You will not have strength. You will fall. In fact, we'll talk more next week, but Paul is very clear in 2 Thessalonians 2. He says that when the world leader finally comes, before Jesus comes, there will be the emergence of the world leader. And the second thing there would be a great falling away. A great falling away. Because the church is full of us who have a form of godliness, but we don't know the power that could truly make us godly, that could truly help us to impact and be a voice and a light in this world. Do you realize, I'm getting ahead of myself, we forget as Christians, we think of all the things that are coming and think, oh God, save us. Do you realize those who don't know Jesus are going to go through the exact same things we're going to go through? But they don't have Jesus. We do. And they need the church to be the church. To say, oh, I see what's going on. Yes, yes, yes. But look, here's what God says. He is your hope. He is your refuge. He is your strength. He can protect you. He can can provide for you, whatever it may be. And friends, even now we are seeing, I'm sure you're seeing the same, we are seeing so many opportunities to share Christ with people who normally wouldn't be interested, but in various ways they're basically saying, what's going on? What's going on? And their hearts are filled with fear. And we have all these divine encounters that God is setting up for people of the light who know the truth. They say, hey, let me tell you what's going on, but more important, let me tell you about Jesus. Can we stand together? 
I'm going to invite the ministry team to come. I apologize. It's been long this morning. And, but to be honest with you, for every page I shared, I've got about 10 pages on the editor floor. So I hope that I've conveyed my heart, God's heart. I hope I've shed some light on where we are. You won't want to miss next week as we'll wrap up the series and look at what the Bible says with the last days according to prophetic scriptures. But uh, the ministry team is here. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, I just invite you to open your heart to him. You felt his presence here. He's the God of hope, and he wants to fill you with all joy and peace. You find that through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. So feel free to come this morning if we can pray with you, if, if you don't know the Lord. But as the ministry team closes off with this song, can I ask you as believers to do a simple thing? Would you just simply open your heart afresh to Jesus and say, Lord, I don't know what it involves, but I, I just want to get serious. If you haven't already, Lord, I want to know that I know you. Or Lord, I want a fresh fire of your Holy Spirit. I want to love for your word. I want to hear what you are saying. I want to get used to moving in the supernatural, Lord. I want to be equipped. I want to be tested and found faithful and strong. Just open your heart to the Holy Spirit before we leave this morning, will you? God bless you. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to get the sermon as soon as it's released. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com. For live streams and other videos, check out the GT Moncton YouTube channel and follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's going on. God bless.